Great to see you today on a rainy Sunday morning. Pastor's worst nightmares rain on Sunday morning. Uh, nothing great is easy. Nothing great is easy. I'd like you, because this is what this message is really a lot about today. Nothing great is easy. Could you uh, say that with me just out loud so we can maybe fix it into our minds? One, two, three. Nothing great is easy. Yeah, any college football fans? Who are college football fans in the room? Okay, prime time. Primetime in Colorado, yes, they found out that nothing great is easy. That was a big wake-up call. Uh, I didn't watch the game. I just saw the score in the second quarter, 35 to nothing, Oregon over Colorado. Wow, nothing great is easy. Um, Today we're going to focus on something great, which I believe actually, in my opinion, everybody has an opinion, but I think from the scriptures it's telling us here's the greatest thing that we could ever be involved with in our life, right? Everybody wants to be a part of something great. And I think that lamentation is laying out for us what that greatest thing of all is. And that is to build a healthy community, to build a healing community. Like God wants us to be a part in this incredible book of lamentations. I said this last week, God loves us so much that he gave us an entire book of the Bible that is focused on us processing our pain processing our broken dreams and our suffering. That's how much he loves us. He wants to help us through. This is the emotional side. Today, uh, what I want to say is God loves us so much that he's actually shown us a way out of the suffering and pain. Like, how do I get out of here? So this is what we're going to focus on today, how to be a healing community. It's, I believe, the greatest work that we could ever be involved with, and it gives our lives purpose and meaning and excitement and joy and so many things. So let's just jump right into it. Verse number one, Lamentation 1-1, this is what it says. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. So there's loneliness, there's desolation. What Jerusalem, in this great book of Lamentations, which is huge event in the Bible is when Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians, okay? And the temple was destroyed in 586. Total destruction, annihilation. It's only five short chapters. I encourage you to read it. But the horrific things that go on there, terrible, terrible things. Uh, You've got, there's a line in there about parents eating their children because they were under siege. I mean, just terrible, horrible, horrible suffering. But what had happened before that is the whole society, like the community itself, the relational part of it was breaking down. So long before the city was under siege and everything was collapsed and the temple was destroyed, the community itself, everybody, had fallen apart. And, and there was tremendous loneliness. Now, I've, I've said this a number of times, so when you read the papers and all this stuff, so you probably know this, but we sit today, right now, right now, in the loneliest city in the United States of America, Washington, D.C. So what happens when there's loneliness, when there's desolation, right? Community breaks down, relationships are fractured, we're polarized, and as a result of that, of, of relationships breaking down, a whole, whole host of things happen. There's anger, there's addiction, there's anxiety, there's a lot of spill out from that. You see that in Lamentations, and you see that in Washington, D.C. So we have actually a lot of similarity between this terrible thing that happened in Jerusalem, lonely sits the city, and now we are the loneliest city in the United States of America and in a country that is suffering what they call an epidemic of loneliness. Let's go to verse number two. Let's see what happens next. She, now, often... Uh, in the Bible or in the ancient Near East where this literature comes out of the Bible, we will give a persona to cities. And that persona here is a she. She weeps, Jerusalem weeps, bitterly in the night. 
with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. What's going on here? What's going on here is that this city, the people of this city were looking for love. As we all are, we are all born the exact same way. We're looking for love. We, we, are, uh, we move from one very safe space of love and comfort when we're born into another hopefully very safe space. And we're looking for love and we're looking for comfort and they can find none. All of us are looking for love and they had chased after love. Oh, uh, when my kids were born, uh, what happened was is that the nurses, after you cuddle them and you do all that stuff like that, then all of a sudden they swaddle them like a loaf of bread. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're just so tight and they give you this little loaf of bread and they say, here you go, and then you hold it. Because we want that warmth. We've come from a very warm and loving safe space and we're looking for another. Is there another warm and loving safe space? And this is what we're looking for. This is what we see here. They're looking for love and they're chasing love and they can't find it and they can't find comfort. And the word comfort is very interesting, but we'll come back to that in just a second. Now, verse number 11 and 12 says this, look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. And then it continues on. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by, look and see. So we got it twice, look and see. Now, here's where it gets interesting. There are so many connections in this great book of Lamentations to another book in the Bible that was written previously, it's the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus' favorite book. Jesus is quoted, Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than he did any other book in the Bible. What is the book of Deuteronomy about? The book of Deuteronomy about is, lo and behold, how to build a healthy community. How to build a healthy community that maintains itself as a healthy community. So what we have here is, This look and see, it's the exact same word that plays a major role in the book of Deuteronomy. And that's not the only connection. There are so many connections in the book of Lamentations to the book of Deuteronomy, how to build a healthy society. So now we have this connection down and it's showing us in the midst of all this suffering and pain, how do we get out of it? How do we rebuild the society that is absolutely collapsed around us? The word look means to think very carefully, to examine. So... Rather than just leaving it up to chance, like I've made some decisions or people have made decisions around me and things are collapsing, well, let's just hope things get better. What Lamentations is calling us to is what Deuteronomy called us to is actually to think very deeply and very carefully about what is going on. And then we get to the final verse that I want to focus from Lamentations chapter 1. This is kind of just a quick overview of what's happening there. I called to my lovers again looking for love. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. And that is often the case. We're looking, we're looking, we're looking for love. We're looking for comfort. Well, there are two very important questions I think that Lamentations is helping us with. And here's where we want to go today. Number one, how did I get here? And then number two, maybe most importantly, how do I get out of here? (laughs) How did I get here? And now how do I get out of here? And the answer, at least for me, is very, very unexpected on how we get out of here. So, uh, Lamentations, five chapters. Uh, The entire book, the entire book is what we call and was often used in the Bible to make a point, to help us understand what the Bible is saying, is a chiasm. There's only one thing I need you to know about a chiasm, is that the center of the chiasm is what the entire passage of Scripture is about. So, 
The entire book of Lamentations is one big chiasm, and I want to show you the exact center of it because that helps us to understand, oh, okay, God, this is what you're telling me. How do I get out of this mess? Here's how you get out of this mess. If you're in the midst of suffering and pain and broken dreams and on and on, a society, your relationships are breaking down, they're falling apart, here is what God wants you to know more than anything else. So here's the exact center of the chiasm. It's in Lamentations chapter 3. God's compassion never ends. This word, compassion. God is saying, here's the solution to the issue. Now, this was unexpected for me. Hey, compassion seems a little too soft. Maybe a little too silly, like a little bit too weak for me. Like, oh, so there's massive suffering and pain going on around me in my life, or you experience problems in your life. Like, compassion isn't the first thing I reach for on the shelf to get me out of the problem I'm in. And yet, this book that is filled with so many problems and a society that is desolate and breaking down and filled with anger and addiction and isolation and on and on it goes, God says, there you go. That is what you need to reach for because that is what will turn this thing around and get you out of the problem that you're in. Okay, here's my statement for the day. Above all else, healing communities, which I think is the greatest thing that God has given us to do, to be a healing community. Above all else, healing communities are compassionate communities. They're compassionate communities. Above all the, 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 the problems and the pain and the broken dreams and hurt and isolation, it's compassionate communities that are really, really needed. And Lamentation makes this point over and over and over again. Now, God's very name, God's unique name, we say Yahweh, okay? That's God's unique name in the Bible. And there are a a list of probably over a dozen things that we try to say, okay, here's the words that define the name of God. But there's clearly one thing that rises to the top, one word that rises to the top that God's name Yahweh actually means. And God chooses it for us. And Exodus 34, which I've said before, is the most repeated verse in the entire Bible. And God says, my name means compassion. 32 times in the book of Lamentations, a book of terrible suffering and pain, horrific suffering and pain, God says, keeps saying in the midst of all that, compassion, 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 compassion. And then God tells us right dead center, here is the way out. Here's the problem. If we're going to be a healing community, and if we want to experience healing ourselves, we have to choose compassion. Compassion is the way to go. And so God is loading us in here. And if you read carefully, and you really know what you're doing, and you understand the language, right? In Lamentations, you see it's like a big blinking light. Compassion, compassion, compassion. And everybody, again, that seems soft and silly, but it also seems really, really hard. Nothing great is easy. I think for me, when I think about it, actually choosing compassion in the midst of my suffering, pretty much the hardest thing that I'll ever do. Now, I want to show you something that's really important about the name of God. And as I mentioned, 32 times in Lamentations, the unique name of God is given to us and God's name actually means compassion. Let's talk about the name of the Lord for just a minute. This is a famous verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 18. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord. Why is the name of the Lord a strong tower? The name of God. Growing up, I would hear things like, yeah, right. Anybody who claims God's name, bo, bo, that's it. I mean, that's it. Just God. Are are you a Jesus person? Yes, I'm a Jesus person. Okay, you're good. Okay. There's more to it in the scriptures than that. What is the name of the Lord? It says it's a strong tower. Why is it a strong tower, everybody? 
You know what strong towers were back in the ancient Near East in biblical times? They were a safe space. It's a space where you were safe, where you were protected, where you were provided for. I mean, everybody wanted to get to the strong tower. That's where you wanted to go. God's name is a safe space. Why would God's name be a safe space? Well, as I said a few moments ago, when you look, when you look at the name of God, there's one thing that rises above everything else. Again, it's compassion, okay? The Hebrew root word for a womb, a safe space, a womb, a woman's womb, Hebrew root word is compassion, womb and compassion. I want you to think about this for just one second. Uh, you go from one safe space. Remember how they couldn't find anybody to comfort them? The word comfort, the root is compassion again. So we just keep overlapping everywhere. You go from one safe space and you're looking for another safe space. You're looking to be held and loved. You're looking for compassion. And if you don't find that compassion, you don't find that love, it is gonna profoundly affect you for the rest of your life. God's name is a strong tower because God's name is a safe space a safe space. That's why it's strong. It's a safe space. Have you experienced that safe space in your life? When you think about communities of faith, do you think that they're safe spaces? When you're met with suffering and pain, have you been greeted with a safe space or have you just been greeted with a lot of judgment or a lot of words or you should do this or you should do that? When you, when you encounter somebody in suffering and pain, do you greet them the same way? What, what, what does that safe space look like for you? It's a safe space. We are, we, are, we, we are in a safe space for nine months and we exit that safe space looking for another safe space. And that safe space is compassion. We look for compassion. And this is what Jesus Christ says about his name. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do he will do even greater works than these. Is, is that possible? How in the world could we do greater works? How would we do greater works? I don't know. We'll do even greater works because I'm going to the Father. And then here it comes. Now he starts pushing into his name. Whatever you ask in my name. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Does that get things done? Jesus. I'll never forget. We finally, uh, we finally got uh, cable TV. This is years ago. Uh, it was so expensive, but we finally broke down and got it because we wanted to consume as much sports as possible. Not Krista, just me. I want to see a lot of sports. And I had a son who, who just loved sports. He loved sports. And he watched them all the time. But one day on a cable channel, he came across the Christian channel. You know what I'm saying? And he's watching this guy, massive church. He's decked. I mean, the dude is just dressed so nice, so awesome. This huge stage. He's just running back and forth across the stage. He's sweating like crazy. And my son, who's very excitable, you know, he's about five or six. He's just standing in front. He's just shaking. He's sweating too as this guy's preaching. And then you can see the thought come across his mind because I'm standing behind him. And he turns around and looks at me and says, dad, why can't you preach like that? Right? I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I noticed this guy kept saying, in Jesus' name, right? Everybody, when you say in Jesus' name, it's not like saying hocus pocus, magic, something like that. That's not what it's saying. God's name means compassion. How many times we're reading the scripture where it says, Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. He looked on people with compassion, compassion. Where is the power in the name of Jesus? It's because God's name means compassion. 
There's where the power is. Because that's what brings healing to our lives. That's what brings healing to our worlds. And that is how you become a healing community. What God has called every church to be. A church. We're called out. That's what, the, that's what the word in Greek means. Called out to do what? To be people of compassion. To bring healing. And if the church, if the people of compassion, the people of the name of God can't do that, what can we do? There is nothing else to be done. I didn't even finish the verse. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in the name of compassion, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What is compassion, everybody? Compassion. It's defined in a number of ways. It's empathy. It's understanding. You know what you have to have to have understanding? You actually have to stop talking and start listening. You have to actually listen to somebody else, not to respond, but to understand. That's compassion. You have to be a great listener. Maybe that's why Jesus' brother James in the book of James says, you should be slow to speak. I I have a lot of trouble. You can ask her. She's sitting right over here. I have a lot of trouble with that, right? Right? You gotta be slow to speak and you gotta be quick to listen. What is compassion? Compassion is kindness. Compassion is forgiveness. How's your compassion doing? How's your listening doing? How's your compassion doing? How's your empathy? How's your understanding doing? It's forgiveness, it's kindness, it's acceptance. You're accepting others. How is your compassion doing? I know you're great at accepting people who you like and people who believe and behave like you. We're not talking about that. How about the people who aren't anything like you? Compassion is being non-judgmental. The word actually means to suffer with. Here's one of the things we struggle with as human beings. I think a lot of us, I do, struggle with this. Compassion means to suffer with. When I see somebody suffering, I I just want to like say something or do something and get them out of the suffering. But you know what? What I realized about myself, I'm not so much doing it for them. I'm doing it for myself because I want to be out of the suffering. Either I want to move away from them and their suffering or I want to quickly give them some little one-liner that like makes everything okay like we talked about last week. Oh, you're suffering badly. Hey, God has a better plan for you. Just think about the bliss of heaven. We want to alleviate the suffering. Compassion sits, sits with the suffering. Sits with it. Compassion is willing to tolerate uncomfortable situations. I want to go to a resource list here. Okay. I'm going to show you some of these books. These are, there are so many. Okay, there is a ton of great books. I've talked about this is like the gold standard. The body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. Incredible book about suffering, pain and trauma. Right. It's been on the bestseller list for five years. A lot of data, a lot of scientific data. You want to take a picture of this, you can or or it's on our grace app under the outline. You can find it. You can find it there. The Myth of Normal by uh, Gabor Mate. It's a really, 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 really good book. I'm going to quote from this book in just a second. What happened to you? You know, often when we see people who are like, what is, what is wrong with them, right? We ask that question, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with them? What Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey say in this book, and this was an, except, this was an unexpectedly exceptional book. Very, very, I highly encourage you to read this book. And I will tell you, Oprah Winfrey pretty much is advocating for Christian churches. That you need a rhythm in your, in your, in your own life. That includes going to church on a regular basis. I was, I was like, wow, okay, all right, great. What happened to you? So this is a great book. And then, and then here's two commentaries on Lamentations. So again, you can, you, can, you can see that. Okay, when you, I want you to think about this, everybody, for just a second. When you, when you study God's name, as I said a minute ago, there's one word that rises up, and that's, that is compassion. 
As you look at the book of Lamentations in the Bible, clearly compassion, compassion, 32 times, the center of the book is about compassion. It rises to the top. The latest and the greatest scientific research we have on healing are our loneliness, our hurt, our pain, our isolation, broken down communities, broken down families, broken down lives, and even into addictions and anxiety. There's one word, according to the scientific data for the past 20 years, and there's a reason why, I'm not going to tell you now, but we'll do it in a future Sunday, okay? There's one word that keeps rising to the top. Does anybody want to guess what that word is? Go ahead. You're all smart people. One word. Thank you very much. And I'm studying this. Some of the greatest books that we have out there, and these are just a few, okay? The scientific data. This is super important. The scientific data over and over again is saying, hey, 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 above everything else, compassion. These great scientists say, above everything else, compassion. That is the very name of God. The very name of God is the answer to our issues that we're suffering with. And I got to tell you, it's blowing my mind. Because I wouldn't have chose compassion. But as I've been studying this for the past 20 years of my life, this is amazing that here is the solution, here's the way we need to go, and here's what lamentation is actually saying to us. This rises to the top. Now, I say all that to bolster your confidence in the power and the importance of God's word. Now, I want to read you a quote from Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey's book, okay? Look at this. Connectedness, relationships, Okay. Connectedness has the power to counterbalance adversity. Let's just stop there and I'll read the rest of the quote in a minute. What's being said here is healthy relationships can, can fix the suffering and the pain in our lives. You know, you know why we suffer, why we're in pain? For the most part, it's because of people. All right? People are the problem, right? Anybody want to say amen to that? People are the problem. But here's the other thing. People are the panacea. So people are both the problem and the panacea. They are the cure for all this. And a healthy relationships, and it'll never happen without compassion. You can't have a healthy relationship without compassion, is the answer to all this. Now, let's go on. Look at this. When we look a little deeper, this is, wow, okay? When we look a little deeper into the timing of development, developmental risk, okay? A powerful observation emerges. The basic finding is this, everybody, that the experience of the first two months of your life have a dis proportionately important impact on your long-term health and development. Now, how many of you can remember the first two months of your life? I cannot. I have no idea what happened in the first two months of my life. But the reality is, is we leave one safe space and we're entering into another space and we're hoping that it's a safe space too. You follow me? We're looking for the warmth of compassion. We were in the warmth of compassion, Hebrew word, womb, womb. And we're now going into another space and we're hoping that the people that are around us are also people in the first two months is powerful. First two months is powerful. And we're hoping that we're wrapped in love because you can't remember what happened, but subconsciously you can. And it has a profound impact. So what does lamentation say? Looking for love, looking for love, looking for love, looking for comfort. What happened? What happened? What happened to you? This is why in the book by Oprah and Bruce Perry, they say, what happened to you? Now, Oprah says something. This is a great quote from the book. She says this. 
It's not an excuse. Somebody says, oh, yeah, you're just making an excuse because you're such a jerk because you had a bad childhood, right? Okay, it's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. That is really important. It's very, very important. Now, I want to read you a verse of the Bible that has been greatly misunderstood. It's actually in the famous Ten Commandments, everybody. And the church I grew up in, we talked about it's a generational curse. And a lot of people get angry at this verse. It's like, oh my gosh, God seems very evil. God seems very mean. God seems very nasty. How could he do this? Let's look at it. Exodus 20, the famous Ten Commandments. Do not, it's talking about idols. Don't bow down to idols and worship them, blah, blah, blah. Because the Lord, your God, I'm a passionate God. Oh, I punish, here's the hard part. (laughs) I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, who feels good about that? That doesn't seem fair at all. I mean, what's up with this? And so in church, we talk about a generation. Oh, your parents made a mistake. And so the great, great grandkids are suffering terribly. So you better, you better not do that. That sounds radically crazy. All right, everybody, just real quick. We'll dig into this really deep one day, really deep one day. But this is... Ancient Near Eastern wisdom literature. And some people say, you know, if the Bible has something to say about something, it ought to say it plainly. Well, it just did. This is how it's done. It's not how I would do it, but I don't live 3,000 years ago. And I'm not writing wisdom literature from the ancient Near East. Here is how the Bible has said very, very plainly exactly what all the scientific data says today. Okay? That, that if, I, if I have some habit... If I have struggle with anger and my kids and my grandkids are all around me or some type of addiction or blah, 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 okay, it is going to affect them. That's how the Bible is saying that up to the third and the fourth generation. Now, here's what we know from science today is that your very genes, your very genes and your DNA are affecting your great, great grandkids. Basically, what I'm telling you is the science is telling us exactly what this verse is saying and saying in a way that. They didn't, have, they didn't know what DNA was back 2,500 years ago. It's telling them, don't do that. Your first two months of your life are powerfully important. And I don't know what happened in your first two months, but I can guarantee you this. You came out like every single one of us came out looking for love, looking for compassion, looking for a safe space. The bad news is, is many of us didn't get it. The good news is, is lamentation. Lamentations gives us a way out of this. Look how Alice Miller says this. She did a study on all the Nazi leaders, and she found there was a poisonous pedagogy. Basically, that every single one of them, what they had in common was a terrible childhood. There was no safe space for them. Look what Bruce Perry says uh, in his comment about this. The experiences of our grandparents and our great-grandparents and ancestors, even further back, had a significant influence on the way we're going to express our DNA. The bad news is, is none of us had a perfect childhood, but the good news is, is God gives us a way out. And that way out is something unexpected to me. And that way out is compassion. Nothing great is easy. The way out is the very name of God. I want to read to you a famous line from Philippians and then we're going to conclude with the story. Okay. This is, this is like a hymn in the early church. They would sing this. Just here, give me a couple lines. This. Therefore, it's famous. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If I could just say real quickly, when I read this growing up as a kid, as a Bible college student, as a seminarian, I thought, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. One day, 
One day, everybody who says Jesus this, Jesus that, blah, 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 all this bad stuff about Jesus, they're going to be forced to bow their knee that Jesus Christ is the way. That's the way I thought about it. But you know what? That's not what this is saying at all. Because here, here what we have the past number of years, everybody, is the best, the latest, the greatest science that we have. It says that actually compassion is what it heals, that compassion is the way. Compassion, compassion. Compassion is the name of God. This, this is it. Every knee is bowing down to compassion. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Every knee is bowing down. The best scientists we have on this subject today are all saying compassion is the way to go. Every knee is bowing down. That this, this is the way to go. So um, we did this last week. Uh, we're going to do something really different today. In just a minute, the music team's going to come out. You have papers in front on you. You, you can do this or not. Uh, it's totally up to you, so there's no pressure. We've recreated the Western Wall. It's around the sides, famous holy site in Jerusalem. And people often write their prayers and they stick in the wall. Here's the thing. Jesus says we should take up our cross and follow him. When I think about taking up my cross and following him, I think a lot of things. But here's the greatest thing any of us can do today. What is it that stands in your way from being a compassionate person? Is it unforgiveness? Is it impatience? You just don't have time for it. I mean, I think one of the first things for me, other than impatience, is, you know, my solution to the problems of the world if it's those people. It's those people with those beliefs and those behavior. We either get rid of them or they change. And now our problems are solved. Okay, that is and that's like antichrist. I say anti-compassion. So that's not the way to go. Compassion actually is the way to go. So let me tell you a story. And I just want to think, I know exactly what I'm going to write down here. I'm going to stick in that wall and ask God, please, I need your help. Um, Oprah tells a story in her book. Excellent book. Once again, highly encourage you to get it. I got the audible version so I could listen to her uh, read it to me. Anthony Ray Hinton uh, was accused and convicted of a crime that he did not commit and went on to death row in an Alabama prison. And on death row, very isolating. Nobody talked to each other on death row. There was no camaraderie. There was no relationship whatsoever. And often at night, because it was so isolated, some of the prisoners on death row would kind of cry out in pain and you would just ignore it because you did your own thing, right? One night, there was a gentleman, he's crying out in pain. And Anthony Ray Hinton said that something just struck him in that moment that, okay, enough, enough. So in a very compassionate way, he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And you know, you're talking, you can't really see the person in the cell block. He said, what's wrong? And the man said, my mother died. And Anthony Ray Hinton had a very close relationship with his mother. So his heart went out to him. His compassion, his empathy went out to him. And he listened and he said, hey, t- you know, tell me about it. From that night on, Anthony Ray Hinton said the, 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 the whole culture, the whole tone that was happening on death row completely changed. And, and people began to talk to each other and, 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 and be friendly and be thoughtful and be compassionate with each other. Well, as a result of this, Anthony Ray, a black man, became very good friends with a guy by the name of Henry Hayes also on death row. Henry Hayes was a, was a KKK member whose parents had raised him to believe that black people were the enemy. And they struck up a very close relationship. Well, Henry Hayes is going to die. He's going to be electrocuted. 
and you get your last statement. What do you want to say? What do you want to say before we electrocute you? He said, I want to say this. My parents and my grandparents and my whole family was wrong. They taught me to hate. They taught me that black people were the enemy. Now watch this part. I have come here to death row to learn about love. To learn about love. Everybody just want to say this. If you can learn about love on death row, can you learn about it in church? Every survey I've ever read about the church in America, never once has anything come close to, yeah, that's the place that's famous for compassion. Never once. I've all often read that it's a place of being judgmental, a place of a lot of rules. I've read that a lot, like all the time, but never once compassion. So obviously nothing great is easy because God has given us the answer. So listen, I know what I'm going to write down. I'm going to ask the music team just to come on out because they have a song for you in conclusion here. I'm going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to write down. I need help being a part of the greatest thing in the world. I, I desperately need help being a compassionate person. I desperately need help running to the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I definitely need help, as Jesus says, to ask for things in Jesus' name, to be a person of compassion. I got some serious stuff standing away. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write those things down. And uh, I'm going to place it in this wall because people from all over the world go to Jerusalem to place their prayers in the wall. And I'm going to place in that wall over there and just ask God to help me. And so a moment, I'm going to pray. And uh, we're going to stand up or you can sit down if you want to write. You can do anything you want. You don't have to do anything. Okay. But I'm going to encourage you, if you're like me and you need help being compassionate, to write it down. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you show us the way out. You show us and invite us to be a part of something great, something awesome and incredible. Lord, let nothing stand in the way of compassion. It might seem small, but it is gigantic. Help us, Lord, to reflect your name, to run to that strong tower in your holy name. Amen. I invite you to stand, sit, whatever you want to do. The music team's going to take it over from here.